0: You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: What is good, Houdat Nation, and welcome to the Locked On Saints podcast, your daily podcast covering the New Orleans Saints. We are brought to you by the Locked On Podcast Network, where you get to hear the local experts on the biggest stories, your team, every day. I am your forever grateful host, Ross Jackson, lead analyst over at AllSaintsConsidered.com. And as always, I'd like to start off with a big thank you and welcome to our newest listeners, as well as those of you who have been rocking with me since the very beginning, or even if you're just a recent Listener, I'm just so pleased and so grateful to have been able to grow this family as much as we have so far. And I want to keep it going, keep it growing. So know that you can always hit me up on Twitter at Ross Jackson ASC. I always love hearing from everybody that tunes in, reads, and follows. You can hit me up at Ross Jackson ASC. And of course, that ASC stands for AllSaintsConsidered.com, where you can find my, as well as other talented writers, articles, and podcasts. Your source for up to the minute Saints news, opinions, and analysis for Saints fans by Saints fans. And right now, I'm about to kick it straight off to a, a conversation that I had with locked on Rams host Bear Moder. He and I had a great conversation about this Saints and Rams game coming up. Uh, This is a huge game already in the season. It's only week nine, but we're already in the midst of a game that has playoff implications because this could possibly, if the Saints and Rams tie for top of the NFC or, you know, just entering the playoffs, this game could decide who gets home field advantage throughout the playoffs. This is big already and we're, you know, it's it's nice for the Saints to be in this position already in the season. So here we go. Six and one. Uh, heading, you know, heading back home, getting ready to host the currently undefeated Los Angeles Rams. So here's my conversation with Bear. If you're interested, you can follow him on Twitter at LA underscore rambling Bear for his personal account. And of course, you can always follow the locked on Rams handle as well. So go ahead and check it out. Hope y'all enjoy.
2: All right, Brad. So y'all are coming to town here at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome, one of the toughest places to play in the NFL. So I want to know what is it that you're looking for when you have the Saints when the Saints have the ball on the field.
0: Oh man, you're right. That is a tough place to play. But coming out of the Coliseum this last week, having a lot of Packers fan, it was almost like we were playing a road game. So in a weird way, it was like good anticipation coming for this game. <laughs> um, but it's going to be a challenge, man. You, I mean, going down there, it's a different type of atmosphere. Drew Brees always seems to play a little bit better. He's coming off probably one of his worst performances uh, of his career as a Saint. I think he threw like a 100 and something yards, his lowest output, had his first interception of the season. So you kind of feel good about coming in to maybe when he's having an off game or maybe the opposite. That kind of scares you. He, he got his worst game out of the way. Uh, but the Rams defense is going to be big for us. We we're, we know our offense can put up points. It really comes down to stopping um, Drew Brees and that offense and that dual headed monster of that running back game. Obviously, Kamara seems to be the lead there. What's your take on Ingram since he's been back? How's he been um, really fitting back into this
2: offense? I mean, he's pretty much just been like he's pretty much just slipped right back in. I know he's not getting like 100 yard games that he had last year and everything like that. And I totally feel that. But just in terms of uh, like the way he's been fitting in and what he's been able to contribute to the offense so far. It's like he hasn't even missed a beat just in terms of being able to, let's say, um, you know, help set the pace uh, for the game and everything like that. Help control tempo on the ground. I mean, you saw what happened against Baltimore. You know, look, a 20 play drive would not have been possible for the Saints weeks one through four because you have to run you know you got to run the ball to be able to maintain a drive like that
0: yeah and it's going to be an interesting thing to watch in this game as you talk about that you know that running game that you guys have because the rams although been better in the past couple weeks have really struggled against the run um you know even though like i mentioned the last three weeks we've held you know an individual runner under 100 yards uh the packers did go over 100 as a team but just barely so they're starting to gain confidence. Obviously, we all know about Aaron Donald, the pressure that he can put on, and Breeze is going to have to get the ball out fast. But when he does, our secondary has been a little bit of a question mark. I saw you tweet out that Mike Thomas is going to send Marcus <laughs> Peters to the bench on Sunday, <laughs> and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit more about that because if you, if you know you got Rams Nation listening, and I, I bet a lot of people are on your side, but talk to me a little bit more about that. <laughs>
2: Oh man, it was mostly just me throwing shade at Marcus Peters, but <laughs> it's uh, a little bit at Marcus Peters, a little bit at Josh Norman. But you remember there was the whole thing that went that took place between um uh Josh Norman and Michael Thomas during the uh, Monday Night Football game uh, against Washington at home in, in New Orleans, uh, which was the game that you know Drew Brees set his record for and everything like that. But be, you know be, behind that curtain was also the fact that Michael Thomas and Josh Norman were just going at it for the entire game, both as players, but also just like jawing as people and just like going back and forth. The, the typical Josh Norman type of game. Right. What I'm aware of. Yeah. What I'm aware of with Marcus Peters is that Marcus Peters will go, well, you know, he he'll be that person. Like he can get into your head. He can he can be that person that, you know, really can talk that trash and then just get into your head and affect the game from a mental capacity. And he's also not afraid. I mean, you saw I mean we saw what happened last year when he went out to defend his cousin Marshawn Lynch and everything. It's so, like he's not afraid. That's the big yeah. thing with him is that he's entirely unafraid. And so the the joke, or really what the thing is, is that I mean he's been having some trouble. He's been struggling, uh, with the exception of the the San Francisco game in which he only played forty seven snaps. He's given up a passer rating of over 100 uh, in each of those games. And then he's given up touchdowns. I mean, he gave up three touchdowns alone just against Seattle and everything. And so, you know, he had given up uh, five touchdowns over three games and things. And then in this last game against Green Bay, he gave up 149 yards and seven catches. And so the joke just being that that's going to be a really fun matchup to watch. And if Michael Thomas wins it, Marcus Peters does just he does just as good a job at getting in his own head when he as he does getting into other people's heads, if that makes sense. And so that could get him a portion to where he's like, all right. Let's just chill you out for a little while, and then we'll send you back out there. But that matchup between Marcus Peters and Michael Thomas is going to be big, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch.
0: Oh, I couldn't agree more. And you're right, Marcus Peters has struggled, and it hasn't slowed down his trash-talking on the field. Um, (laughs) He got beat one of the first plays of the games by, uh, I can't remember what, what Packer wide receiver it was, but... It was like a 50-yard play up the left side, and he got up from that play and went right in the guy's face and started talking junk. And I'm like, dude, you kind of just got burnt, but uh, it's (laughs) never going to change his game. He's always going to try to continue to be inside your head, even when he's given up some big points. We've hit this stretch of playing these quarterbacks that are just amazing. Obviously, you mentioned the three touchdowns that he gave up against Russell Wilson, who really just took advantage of his aggressiveness and... Him kind of cheating, looking for that interception. And then again, obviously Aaron Rodgers is a is a brilliant quarterback. Here we come into Drew Brees in his home. And he knows how to manipulate his eyes and, and work the ball down and work a pump fake. So I'm really hoping that he can stay true and stick more on Mike Thomas than keeping his eyes in the backfield. I love his aggressiveness, but it hasn't paid off. My buddy actually has a bet with the Seahawks podcast about who will have the most interceptions this year. He's got Marcus Peters. And I believe... um can't remember who they've got in their secondary, but he's down right now. And he's sitting here struggling going, dude, Marcus Peters, my man, like you got to get one for me. So maybe this is the week that he gets one. Um, Drew Brees finally threw an interception. So maybe that door has been opened to kind of start that uh, parade of interceptions. But, you know, it's a tough game on the road. We're going to need our secondary big time. I mean, you talked about Michael Thompson, how dangerous he can be. Who else on the wide receiving core uh, do the
2: Rams need to look out in the secondary for? Yeah, so unfortunately, that uh, that wide receiver spot opposite Michael Thomas has been a little bit of a struggle for the Saints so far this year. Uh, you know, Ted Ginn Jr. went to injured reserve. And so right now, it's been rookie wide receiver out of UCF, Traquan Smith, who has played some pretty okay games so far. He had that big game where he had three receptions, two touchdowns on 11 yards uh, against Washington. But other than that, it's been a little tough for the Saints to find some production outside of a wide receiver opposite Michael Thomas. And so right now, with today being the trade deadline, there's a lot of wide receiver talks. There's a lot of slot cornerback talks, all of that. So, I mean, right now, I would definitely say the combination of Traquan Smith and Cameron Meredith might be able to create some kind of a push but right now there's a big question mark opposite michael thomas for that wide receiver spot
0: man cameron meredith thought we were going to see some big numbers from him this year obviously coming off that contract being picked up out of the bears but it was a little bit of risk i think he was coming off that injury so um something to definitely watch for but man if there's a is there there's a team that's going to give you a big game on the wide receiver right now it's been our secondary hopefully they can tighten up uh win that turnover battle but as we talked of Uh, New Orleans doesn't cough the ball up too much. What we're going to do really quick is we're going to step aside, but before we do that, we're going to talk about mybookie.ag. I know you talk about it a lot on your podcast. We do over here at Lockdown Rams. They're an awesome, awesome supporter of the show. Guys, go check them out, mybookie.ag. It's not always who you're betting on, but where you are betting at. Uh, this place is 100% legit. They're giving you guys promo codes. If you enter locked on 25 you get $25 on top of your deposit, no matter if you're a new member, an old member, or whatever. Go get some free money. Play some bets. We love to do back and forth. So what we're going to do now, is we're going to pick a couple lines uh, from this week, and we're just going to talk them out and you know basically say how we would take the bet here. So we'll start with the I Don't Care Bowl, which is the Thursday night football, Oakland Raiders. San Francisco 49ers. I think together they have two wins. It's gonna be a tough one to watch on Thursday, but we're football fans, so we'll do it. So we'll make it fun. San Francisco 49ers are the favorite in this game. They're the home team. Minus three. Who you got?
2: Oh man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the spread here. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go against the spread here, actually. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Oakland. I'm gonna say that they're gonna figure out a way to get this done and they're gonna figure out a, a way to get this win. I mean, look. I don't understand how this ended up on Thursday Night Football. By the way, right. I don't understand how this ended up being a national game. I guess at one point, it was Jimmy Garoppolo versus Derek Carr. But even in that scenario, it was Jimmy Garoppolo versus Derek Carr. So I don't understand <laughs> how it got here. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to I'm gonna take the Raiders. I'm going to see what happens. I'm going to take the Raiders on this one. Yeah, I think the millions of dollars spent on the coach and then
0: obviously the quarterback, this seemed like it potentially could be an exciting matchup, but... That's what's the problem about the NFL schedule is and the exciting thing about the flex schedule at the end of the year is they can basically go, well, we were totally off on that one. <laughs> um, and this is a case of that. This is one of those where they thought it was going to be a good one. I'm with you though. I, I keep thinking the Oakland Raiders are going to turn the page. Um They keep trading away all their good players. You know, Bruce Irvin is actually in the trade uh, talks right now with the Rams. I mean, there's talk over here in LA that we're looking to get some edge rushing and extra linebackers. So um, they're looking to get rid of everyone but I have a feeling too at least I think they have a better quarterback uh, in this matchup at least they're getting the points I like taking some points in a crap toss-up game so <laughs> I'll, I'll go with you Oakland Raiders plus three on the road let's shock the world uh, we'll move on to the next game this is a flip this is actually a good game um, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers heading into Baltimore same spread um, three points here Baltimore
2: Ravens are favored in this one what do you got? Uh, this one I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go against the favorite here too, and I'm gonna pick the the Pittsburgh Steelers in this one. And the reason why is because the Ravens have been struggling over these last two weeks. I'm not saying that the Saints broke the Ravens. I'm just saying that the Saints might have broken the Ravens uh, because (laughs) the the Ravens lose to the Saints at home and then they lose away to uh, Carolina, another NFC South team. And so now that they're playing these more effective defense, I'm sorry, these more effective offenses, that defense is starting to look not so scary. Remember that this is the team that the Saints drove for 10 minutes and two seconds on in a 20-play drive to start off a game, which, of course, didn't yield any points, but still, they proved that you you can play smash mouth football against this team and i think that the steelers have the ability to do that so i'm gonna go against and i'm gonna take the steelers on this one uh plus two i like it and you
0: know what i'm gonna piggyback it again i don't think our third pick will be the same but these first two <laughs> will be um i'm gonna go with pittsburgh steelers too i was never in on the hype train on the baltimore ravens when people were putting them in the top three in nfl power rankings and things like that i think you said it best they finally are starting to play some good offenses They're hitting some teams in their division. It's a tough division. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers kind of on a roll. Um, Another team that can put up lots of points. And also, um, you know, their defense isn't the defense we used to remember, but at the same time can make big plays when they need it. I'll take the points on this one, even on the road. Baltimore uh, showed that they can be beaten at home. I'll take Pittsburgh Steelers plus three in this one. And then the game of the week. I mean, this is by far looking at the schedule. Uh, This is the one that everyone's going to be watching. I'm pretty sure it's the NFL uh, National Game of the Week as well. They're holding it out to the very end. It's a 125 West Coast kickoff. Uh, We all got to wait through a whole bunch of games in the morning to to watch this one. But it is the Rams traveling to New Orleans to hit it up with your Saints. It is actually a shock for us. We are now the underdog for the first time this season. We are a plus one on the road at... New Orleans, your thoughts on this matchup and how this is going to shake out for my bookie.
2: Yeah, I mean, I talk about this all the time on here, but what you know, when you see a shift from like plus one uh, for one team and then you see that shift all the way over to minus five for the home team that has just as much to do with the home field advantage as it has to do with the team matchup. Uh, And so I'm going to but I'm going to take the Saints here. Um, and, and there was a moment, there was a moment in my heart that I was like, no, I probably shouldn't like, I should probably (laughs) be a little more realistic, but I really think that the Saints do have the ability to, to win this one because it, 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 look more than likely it's going to become a shootout. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Saints defense here in a second, but more than likely it's going to become a shootout. And if I have to take a choice in a shootout, I'm definitely going to take, I'm going to, I'm going to err on the side of Drew Brees and Sean Payton at home in the Dome. And I'll give you an extra one too. I'm actually going to take the over on this one. The over under market right now is set at 60. I'm going to say that it's going to be a 34-31. So I'm taking the over on this one. I like the double down. I like the double down. And you're
0: right. I may piggyback on the double down because um, I'm going to say the Rams plus one. I mean, this I get points for my Rams right now. I mean, I haven't seen that in forever. I've been having right. to earn these. I mean, we came in, I think it was nine versus... Uh, Green Bay It was eight on the road in Seattle. I mean, I've been having to earn these spreads through my bookie with the Rams. So if I'm getting a point, I'm definitely taking it. I think definitely. this is a, a must win game for not must win game. I, I think this is a really prove it to me game for the Rams. They just came off of winning, you know, versus Green Bay, a big name. Not the record doesn't really show to the name that they have that you kind of think when you get that win. But people are more blaming Ty Montgomery for fumbling, then us making that play at the end of the game. Right. Oh, we got right. lucky. We, you know, he would have scored. It's like, well, we don't really know that. We, we kind of know that. But, you know, <laughs> it didn't happen. So um, I think this is a good prove it game to the rest of the league to be like, look, we're going to go on the road, face a tough NFC opponent, a team that we may see uh, in the playoffs and potentially to go to the Super Bowl. Uh, if you can go on the road and get a victory, Sean McVay's record on the road is just ridiculous. Re- ridiculous since coming mm-hmm. to league i think he's 12 and 1 and that's counting and yep. that game in london and man so i think this is kind of goes into what the rams are hoping to they've got this chip on their shoulder which is weird for an undefeated team to come in and have this they've had it all season i love the way they're playing uh our defense is stepping it up and i think if our offense like you said in a shootout and you'll, you'll take breeze and i don't blame you for that but I'm sitting here, and I'll take Sean McVay in that as well. So Mm -hmm. um, I knew we were going to go against each other there, but I will take the over with you. I saw that (laughs) 60 points, and I was thinking that is easy money in this game. Um, So I'll take the over with you there. Guys, what we're going to do is we're going to step aside, get a quick word from some sponsors. We'll be back on the other side, crossover edition, Lockdown Rams, Lockdown Saints. We're going to talk some more defense matchups and more on the other side. All right, we are back. Wednesday edition, crossover edition, probably my favorite part of the week. We've got Locked On Saints, Ross Jackson with us. I am Bear Moder. Locked On Rams. Guys, we're super excited about this game. We talked some offense on the other side. We talked some Rams offense. I want to get over to, sorry, we talked we talk some Saints offense on the other side. What are they going to do against this Rams defense? Let's flip the script. We've got a high-powered offense. We just talked about it in the MyBookie segment. This thing could be a shootout. Sean McVay, very comfortable on the road. Um, talk to me about the New Orleans Saints defense and how they're going to match up against all these weapons. We're getting Cooper back, which is going to be huge for us. Uh, you got three dangerous wide receivers. you got a dangerous quarterback and a potential MVP candidate in Gurley. What does the Saints defense do to kind of shut this down? Well, the big
2: test, the big, big, big test is going to be uh, the Saints secondary against those three wide receivers. And it's kind of, it, it, it's ironic to say which one's going to be the big test because every test that the Rams offense presents is absolutely humongous. And so, uh, but the, the big matchup that, the Saints kind of need to figure out a way to win or at least strike even on is going to be that secondary versus those three wide receivers. Getting Cooper Cup back, like you said, is huge. Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Brandon Cooks. um, And we're very familiar with Brandon Cooks here in New Orleans or in New Orleans. It's um, so um, being able to lock down or not even lock down, but being able to go, let's say, strive for strive with each of those receivers is not going to be easy at all. Uh, you know, you saw the Saints last week struggle in the slot in particular because they were you know, the Vikings were doing a really good job at taking advantage of matchups. Knowing that P.J. Williams was in the slot, getting Stefan Diggs, getting Adam Thielen, taking uh, taking snaps from the slot and getting him matched up on P.J. Getting those receivers match up on P.J. Williams was huge with this game. If you have all three of those wide receivers back for Los Angeles, you don't have to game plan for it. You're gonna, you have all three of them on the field. One of them's gonna be on P.J. Williams. Of course, the Saints made the trade <laughs> for Eli, made the trade for Eli Apple to bring him in from New York. They benched Ken Crawley. He was inactive last week, which is. I, which is just kind of heavenly feeling for a second because it wasn't, you know, 300 yard wide receivers or two 150 yard wide, <laughs> wide receivers. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was just two 100 yard wide receivers, which in New Orleans is unfortunately uh, for this so far this season is an improvement. Uh, and so, you know, being able to see Eli Apple a little bit be able to play a little bit faster, have a little bit more understanding of the language. Cause of course they traded for him at the beginning of the week. And then six days later, he was starting opposite Marshall Lattimore. So, you know, giving him the opportunity now to settle in over the course of these couple of weeks and then play a home game in the dome is going to be big for him too. getting a feel for what that is. Cause it's still going to kind of feel like an away game for him, if that makes sense. Cause he's, right. he's still trying, you know, cause he's still trying to learn and everything. So those are going to be the big, big matchups that, we like the Saints just have to find a way to um, to, to shore up the secondary a little bit. They they they've got uh, Obi Melafunwu over from uh, he was a Connecticut draft pick second round draft pick from connecticut by the raiders who they recently released he's visiting the saints today so they're working on it they're trying to figure out how to shore up the secondary trade deadlines coming up and so uh, coming up very quickly uh and so they're in they're in talks for a lot of wider i mean uh cornerbacks and other slot cornerbacks in particular to try to shore up the secondary as well and then the other big matchup is going to be number one rush defense against number 1 rush offense to see which one breaks and uh you know they, like i think that Todd Gurley is going to have the first 100-yard game against the Saints i think that that's completely that should be expected uh, but it just depends on how much it is a bend and don't break situation for the Saints rush defense
0: yeah and i think they're going to lean on that to really hope that the the d is going to come up in hopes of stopping Todd Gurley Mm-hmm. And really use that play action that Jared Goff in his last two years has really been dominant in the play action game. Because when you have a weapon like Todd Gurley that you have to you know hold accountable, uh, it makes that play action a lot easier. I expect some screens to Todd Gurley as well, trying to find other ways to give him the ball. Um, they're averaging five screens a game, but last game they had zero, which was a big stun huh. for us. We kept going, get the ball to Todd Gurley. They were throwing it to him, but not through the screen game. There must have been something they saw in the Green Bay Packers D that they kind of stayed away from it. But, you know, for our sake, you hope that, um, you know, New Orleans is watching that film and kind of gets caught up and forgets about the screen. But, you know, I know Mm -hmm. these guys are professionals and they're going to, you know, do more than just one game of tape kind of watching this guy. But you're right. That's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Todd Gurley, even though he's killing it in touchdowns, he leads the NFL in rushing by almost 190 yards. It's crazy. Last couple games, he hasn't had that like breakout running performance, which, it's still mind-boggling because he's so dominant still. Um, but like I mentioned, he's been working more in the passing game. He had a career-high or a season-high six catches last game, five of them which either went for a first down or a touchdown. Uh, so super effective when they're getting the ball that way. I think, as you mentioned in your secondary, Eli Apple, the addition to him, is going to help. But my you know, question really is how fast can he get into this defense? You mentioned that it was kind of similar – uh, lingo, and that it should be an easier transition for him. How did he perform last week? I didn't really get a chance to to watch him too much. Should we expect him to be at 100% in
2: this defense, or is it still some growth period there? I think there's definitely still going to be growth period. Anytime that you bring in a player from, you know, one system to another system midseason, it takes a couple of games and everything. And I'm not just saying that because it's the Saints team. I would say that for any team that's making right, a trade right, right. right now in this situation. You know, we see this at the trade deadline all the time uh, because it's always that conversation of our trade deadline, trade uh, our trade, lot, trade deadline transactions. Worth it because it takes a second for the uh, for the adjustment to happen and 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 all of that. But uh, when it comes to uh, Eli Apple, he actually played pretty okay. I mean, he allowed every every target that he every time that he was targeted, he allowed a catch. But he only allowed seventy nine yards, didn't allow any touchdowns. He hasn't allowed a touchdown at all this season, which that alone is an improvement over King Crawley, who allowed you know who had allowed <laughs> four <laughs> by this point of the season already uh, and and multiple ones in a in a game. And so. You know, all in all, he's been an improvement, uh, even just within the one week of preparation that he's had. But I definitely expect to see him take another step forward, if not just out of time, out of necessity, because this is a game to where he would absolutely have to step up during. You know, during the game against Minnesota, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, and then after that, you've got Laquan Treadwell, who you know, it has has struggled in terms of his college to NFL transition still. He's still in the midst of that. However, coming into this game, you've got three very solid starting wide receivers that you have to be able to guard and pay attention to.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that's really the key for any defense. And that's why we really missed Cooper Cup over the last couple of weeks. We've had, you know, uh, Josh Reynolds had two touchdowns last game on three catches. And really most of those came in or near the red zone, but he stepped up. But we, we're missing our guy to really make that threat of three players on on the wide receiver that you really have to guard. They they're so good at reading a defense and Sean McVay. I mean, just play calling, putting his guys in position to make plays. Um, New Orleans is near the bottom of the league. As far as turnovers go. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I know we saw some in that last game, which were huge to that victory up in Minnesota. Uh, Talk to me about this defense. And is this something that you think they can turn the page on or have they just shown, you know, lack of, you know, really being able to get it
2: done as far as the turnover game. I think a big part of the turnover game has been a lack of being able to cover. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I keep going back to the secondary, but that that's really a huge part of it. They have a lot of trouble guarding, particularly on double moves and a lot of, a lot of trouble guarding on crossing patterns over the middle in particular. And so teams see that and teams are game planning to present that to this defense. And as long as they continue to struggle with it, they, they're going to have trouble creating turnovers in the passing game. Uh, You know, the the idea of you know causing fumbles and peanut punching and all of that that's something that uh, this Saints defense has worked on since Rob Ryan was in town those horrible horrible years and then moving forward through the Dennis Allen uh, era if you will uh, so that's not new for them so causing fumbles seems to be the most the most successful way that they can cause turnovers, but they need to be able to cause turnovers in the passing game as well. And a lot of that comes down to the pass rush. The pass rush for the Saints has actually been really successful these last couple of games if you skip the Baltimore game. The Baltimore game, I don't know what happened. The Baltimore was down three starters, or three different players on the offensive line, essentially, starting people that had absolutely no experience. And the Saints got two quarterback hits. On them. It, it just it, it wasn't it wasn't their game for whatever reason that week. I don't know if it had to do with the conditions in which they were playing under and things like that in Baltimore. It was cold. But really, that shouldn't be an excuse when you're playing in the trenches. <clears throat> Meanwhile, in this last game, they get four sacks. They get nine quarterback hits at, on Kirk Cousins and did exactly what they needed to do to rock Kirk Cousins, because Kirk Cousins is a very good quarterback. But when you get in his head and when you get him off balance, he plays like he's off balance. And that's right. always that's always been a thing for him. And so they need to be able to, you know, uh, I, I consider Jerry Goff a lot more mentally tough than I than I consider Kirk Cousins. But if they're able to get to him, and if they're able to start to affect those passing lanes, and if they you know they do a really good job at batting balls at the line of scrimmage as well. So if they're able to. Uh, Take advantage of that and then be able to get Jared Goff to a place where he's playing rushed because I doubt you're going to get him to a place that he's playing off balance unless you're getting, you know, several hits on him throughout the game. But if they can get him playing and they might be able to help take advantage of some of this. They like to try to get to the quarterback the Saints do within the 2.5 mark of this of the quarterback's drop back after that point they feel like the quarterback has had too much time. So everything is about getting to the quarterback as quickly as possible. And with people with the talent like Cameron Jordan on the edge, Sheldon Rankins, who has become his prolific pass rushing self, like he was in Louisville finally uh, in the interior line, and then the shared snaps over on the opposite side uh, on the end slide between Alex Okafor and you know, rising, uh, defensive end rookie edge rusher, uh, Marcus Davenport, they can get to the quarterback quickly. They have the speed to do it. They just need to be able to win at the line of scrimmage. And hopefully that will start to create more turnovers down the road for them as well.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a fun matchup to watch because the Rams offensive line struggled in the first half against the Packers, but kind of picked it up. Um, I said yesterday on the podcast, once they gave Jared Goff protection, uh, I think it was like 19 of 22 when he had a clean pocket and he threw for 244 yards and and two touchdowns. So when he's got time, he's a dangerous guy back there. He talked about his toughness. I think that comes from, you know, when he was at Cal and his freshman he went like one in nine and they just, he's got beat up back there. And then his first year in the NFL, uh, his first seven games, he got beat up, you know, half of those were with Jeff Fisher and we had no line then, but we have an offensive line now we got a tough quarterback Uh, It's going to be a fun matchup to watch if he gets time to maybe try to take advantage of that secondary you keep going back to. And then, you know, Todd Gurley going against one of the best run defenses in the NFL. Uh, Plenty of matchups, plenty of storylines. You you talked about the return of Brandon Cooks. I know he's got to have this one circled. Really excited Mm -hmm. to come home to the team that drafted him. The first team that spent a first round pick on him. There were multiples after that, Uh, but we're excited to see his return there. And uh, I'm sure the crowd will give him some love because he had some great performances there in New Orleans. Always a great crowd to play in front of. Uh, What we're going to do is we're going to step aside, get one last word from some sponsors. We'll be back on the other side to close this thing out, talk some predictions, put some final thoughts in. We'll be back with the Wednesday crossover on the Lockdown Podcast Network
2: all right everybody we are back we are back for this locked on Crossover wednesday episode this is ross jackson i'm joined by bear Mader here for locked on rams locked on saints talking about this rams versus saints matchup in new orleans we talked about what the uh what to look for when the saints offense is on the ball i'm sorry when the saints offense is on the field and then we came back to talk about the uh the rams offense versus the saints defense now we're going to just sort of put in some final thoughts on the game and then talk about some predictions. So bear what you got for me, what are some final thoughts that you had before this game?
0: You know, I've been living on these final thoughts the whole season, but Sean McVay, it's my favorite Sean McVay stat. When he wins the time of possession battle, the man is undefeated. You can't beat him when he holds the clock, when he holds the ball and he gets to do what he wants to do on the offense side of the ball, he wins the game. So I think being on the road is going to be a huge point for us to not only, you know, get points early, talk about turnovers, kind of winning that battle, all the important matchups. But if we can control the time and win that time of possession and not let Drew Brees go and have, you know, 40 pass attempts, even though, you know, he's coming off of, you know, 125 yards or whatever it was in the last game. But that's what scares me about it. You know, when he has an off game, I wish that was our game. So I think really it comes down to controlling that clock Winning the turnover battle. If you can do those two things in the Sean McVay era, he's been pretty unstoppable. So I think on the road, is going to be important. But um, and then as we talked earlier in the game, it's just one of those mental games for the Rams that is going to go so far if they can go and win this. And it's funny. I was actually right before we jumped on here. I was kind of watching some of the Rams Instagram pictures and posts they were putting up. They had a Halloween party last night. They look calm, cool, collected. They're having a good time. This team has something about them around them that they're not overthinking this game they're still having fun that young energy that Sean McVay pumps into this team you can see it uh not only on Sundays but Monday through Saturday as well these guys have something special but I know the Saints feel the same thing I saw Mark Ingram basically said we're different we're a different team Mm -hmm. we're excited for the Rams to come in town so talk to me about uh you know what's going on down there in New Orleans I'm glad
2: that you brought that up because this is exactly what I wanted to talk about. This Saints team has found so many different ways to win. And that's exactly what Mark Ingram said. We are built Different. And that is a huge, huge I mean, look, these are these both of these teams come in with swagger, big time swagger, big time attitude, big time confidence. And I love it because that's what this is supposed to feel like. You should have two teams coming in feeling like they can win a big game. And this is a big game. This is in the middle of the season, don't get me wrong, but this game could decide home field advantage in the in the playoffs, potentially. And so yeah. this is a big game. There's a reason to come into this game and say, yeah, we're going to win or, you know, come in with some confidence. But the big thing I want to talk about, I have a little stat for you too, in the midst of the Sean Bowl here, uh, Sean Payton versus Sean McVay. But uh, with Drew, (laughs) but with Drew Brees here, uh, last season, Drew Brees threw for under 200 yards twice, once against Detroit, which they managed, which the Saints managed to still score 52 points. And then uh, once again, against Buffalo, where they managed to score 47 points. So the game after that, Drew Brees, the first time, threw for 331 yards and a touchdown. He also had two interceptions, so let me glaze over that. 331 yards and a touchdown, but two interceptions. And in the game after the Buffalo game, where he threw under two, uh, threw under 200 yards, he threw for 385 yards and two touchdowns. So... The pattern here suggests that when Drew Brees throws for under 200 yards, he comes back and he has a pretty decent game. So I'm looking at him to come back and have exactly that, but then also be able to get to rely on his backfield and get them involved in the passing game as well, which is going to help sort of inflate those passing numbers a little bit differently than what you saw against Minnesota. So I'm looking for Drew Brees to come back and have a great game following what wasn't a bad game. I mean, he still threw for 78 percent. He just didn't throw. He just he just never threw for over. He never threw a pass in that game for over uh, twenty yards. That was his long and stuff. So he wasn't. He just wasn't forcing it down the field. He went eighteen for twenty three in that game uh, with a completion percentage of seventy eight point three. So I mean, he's not coming off of a bad game. So let me don't let me say that. But he's definitely coming off of you know a game of under two hundred yards, his least uh, amount of yardage output since he's been in New Orleans, the least amount of passing yardage that the Saints have ever had. In a win. And so I expect him to come back and have a much bigger game like the ones we were seeing earlier this season. Well, if I can
0: sign up for that 300 yards, one touchdown, two interception game, I'll <laughs> sign up for that right now because you're right. Drew Brees coming off those games has shown that's not the type of quarterback he is and he can put up some big numbers. But if we can get a couple picks out of him, I will sign up for that right now. Because uh, it is scary. You never know. You don't want to see a 303 touchdown, no interception right. game from Drew Brees, and you know that is very capable as well, especially at home. I did see something. and I don't know if this is if I wrote this down correct, but it was on PTI the other day, and they said that um, you know everyone kind of thinks that the Saints are unbeatable when you when you go down to New Orleans, but in their last five years, they're 20 and 15 at home. I know they had a couple of rough stretches there, but that kind of gave me this, this good feeling of like, you know what? They can be beaten at home, even though it's a tough place to play. Even though when you think of Drew Brees in a dome, you think oh, 45 points and, you know, take the over, right. But um, a little bit different coming into this game. And, you know, we talked about many, many great matchups in this great game, many awesome storylines. You mentioned the Sean bowl. That's another one. That's going to be fun Two offensive mind coaches going at it. So, uh super fun one we have on our hands. I can't wait. You know, shoot me a tweet during the game if you want to talk some trash. I might be a little bit too nervous to respond at one point. But, um, <laughs> guys, make sure to go give us a follow on Twitter. Find the show. We're on Spotify and iTunes and Google Podcasts. You can find me at Lockdown Rams LA underscore Rambling Bear is my personal. Ross Jackson, you can find him at Ross Jackson ASC. That stands for All Saints Considered. Great stuff you're putting up there, by the way. And then Lockdown Saints as well. So reach out to us. Tell us what you think. Subscribe to the show. Leave a review. All that good stuff. We love all of it. Before we get out of here, and you don't have to because I know some hosts keep this to the very end. But um, if you're willing, I'd love to hear a score prediction from you as well.
2: Oh, yeah, no, I'll drop that. That's no problem at all. So, like I said, I'm taking that over, right, on this game. So I'm going to go Saints 34-31. I'm going to give the Saints a W. Like I said, in my heart at one point, I was like, maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say Saints win 34-31 at home. All right, I'm not too
0: far off. We're both taking the over. I've got 38-31 Rams, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, might be a stretch here, but I think, you know, these scores have been weird the last couple weeks. We just won by two points. Um, I think there's going to be another big Rams conversion where we get to hold the ball away from Drew Brees. I'm really, really banking on Marcus Peters listening to this podcast, being encouraged, being hearing all the trash that's being talked, and going out there maybe getting a pick six to wrap this thing up. Um, that would be my bold prediction, and it's very bold because, like you said, he's giving up touchdowns the other way, not so much what we saw week one when he returned one to the house. But it's going to be a great matchup. Um, Me and you both are expecting wins for our team, so I'm excited to see this. We'll keep in touch on Sunday. And like you said off air before we got here, hopefully this is a nice little preview for the NFC Championship. We're both in the L.A. area. We can get together, do a live recording, and uh, we'll do it playoff edition.
2: Love it. Can't wait. (laughs) All right, take it easy. Thanks for the chat. Absolutely, man. You too.